Hello and welcome to tonight's Meshachoch Mashiach. I want to start just with an overview of a um, a different Meshachoch than the one I originally planned on, on presenting because um, it's clearly what uh, what Mayor Simcha spent the majority of his uh, of his writing on the week's parsha about. The problem is that uh, this is a topic that we've already discussed a couple of times in the past. So I'm just going to do a quick overview of this first topic to pay tribute to what Mermei Simcha thought was most important about the Parsha, and then um, move on to the thought I actually prepared and um, had more to say about. So the Mesha Chachma makes a very um, spirited argument in a number of parshios, including this one, that there's no such thing as inherent Kedusha. As I said, we've discussed this a couple of times already, it may sound familiar. So, if there's no inherent Kedusha, then um, this is why, for example, Harsinai, the second that the, uh, that the uh, revelation is over, is not holy, and animals could go on it, and it's perfectly like any other place in the world, whereas Haramaria, where the base of Migdash was, is, um, is holy eternally because we established a history with God at that place. So along the same lines, he discusses the, the um, worship of Moshe that underlied the, uh, the Chet HaEgel that they thought, what did they call, they called Moshe, Ha'ish Moshe, right, who took us out of Mitzrayim. They associated um, Moshe with the, uh, with the Exodus. So they, they gave Moshe an inherent role uh, that he was something more than human. And Moshe comes down the mountain and they built this eagle to replace Moshe because they needed some some holy object. And what does Moshe do? He comes down and he breaks the luchos because this illustrates and deeply embeds in, 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 in the psyche of those who watched it in shock. Here it was, Hashem wrote luchos, right? Hashem carved the luchos himself, not like the second luchos. He wrote the Luchos, and Moshe breaks the Luchos. Why? Because if there aren't human beings serving Hashem's will, then there's no Kedusha, even the first Luchos. So the second Moshe comes down and sees that they are not doing what it says on the Luchos, the Luchos he carried had no holiness, and he had no problem breaking them. This is why Meshachachma um, says that uh, this is why Chazal say that both the first Luchos and the, the broken pieces of the first Luchos and the whole second Luchos sat in the Aron under the Kruvim. To remind you that it is not, the first bro- Luchos are broken, they have no holiness. Second Luchos have holiness only because we followed, we accepted it and followed them. It is not the Kruvim on top of the Aron that have some special holiness. The Kruvim's holiness only derives from the Torah that is within. And the more one makes the Torah manifest, the more Kedusha there is in the world. 
And this whole lesson of inherent holiness versus um, man following the Torah, imbuing something with holiness, is to his mind the whole uh, lesson of this of the story of the ego in this week's parsha. So that was just a quick overview of a topic we could have spent the whole evening on. But um, as I said, it overlapped too much with things we already said in the past with Meshach Achma's um, interest in denying the concept of an inherent holiness. The, the, what I did want to discuss was Shemos Laman Beis Tezayin. So Shemos 32.16. The Pazuk says, Valuchos Maselokim Hema. The Luchos is the first one were made by God. And the script was God's script. Charus al-Luchos, engraved into the tablets. On this, the Meshachachma quotes Shabbos, Kuftalid, that's 104, Amar Aleph. The writing that was on Luchos could be written from within and from without, meaning from both sides. Kagon Navuv. These are all examples which, by the way, are not actually in the Luchos, but they do appear in Tanakh. Navuv, if it said Nun Vez Vav Vez on one side, on the other side you'd read Buban. Vez Vav Vez Nun. So it was not like miraculously read uh, in the same sequence. No, it was the opposite sequence on the two sides. Rahav Bahar, Saru Varas. So the letters went all the way through, and it could be read on each side, although on one side it would be the mirror image of the other. Kavanas HaMamar Hazeh. So the Meshach Chochma continues. The intent of this Mamar in the Gemara, Da Sagas Hashem Yisbarach V'chukei Toraso Hi Chochma Yona. Uh, you know the God's wisdom and the and the laws of His Torah, they are some higher wisdom. They have two ways that they can be acquired. The first is to comprehend it from um, from the contemplating what exists. Like the Navi says, Lift your eyes high and see. Mi bara ele, who created these? Hamotze b'mitzbar tzivaam, who sends out their host by number. Nechulam b'shem yikra, calls each of them by name. Onim v'amitzkoach, because of his great might and, fa- and vast power, ish lo nedar. No person fails to appear. Mikishar tivim v'ayosam, and from this looking at nature and what exists, Kamo Shanamar, like it says, Malfeini nu bibehemos aretz, who gives us more knowledge than the beasts of the earth, which this Gemara is reading. Um, it's a puzzle in the Yov, which the Gemara in Ervin, uh, 100b, Kufama Beis, says, reads as, gives us wisdom from, not more wisdom than, but the wisdom from. It's the same Hebrew, me. Um, and makes us wiser than the birds of the sky. Again, this Pasuk is reading it, grants us wisdom from the, from the uh, knowledge from the beasts of the, of the land, 
and uh, wisdom from the birds of the sky. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan says on this pasuk, had the Torah not be given, we would have learned snios from the cat. And that stealing is wrong from the ant, which doesn't take the food of other ants. And forbidden relations from the dove, because doves are monogamous. And the proper way of, of uh, relations with a, with a, from a rooster, which first appeases the hen, and then ma- and only then mates. So now Meshachachma continues. This is the contemplation from physical objects to the world of um, unattached intellects, meaning pure intellects. This is um, the Aristotelian metaphysics that one finds in, let's say, the Rambam, that... Um, that you you uh, that everything that links the physical world to God's plan is an intellect. So God has a thought, which has a thought, which has a thought, which thinks and has a thought, and so on down until you get to the various grades of malachim, down to the spheres which in which are embedded the various planets, and so on, and down to us. Um, so this metaphysics, in this metaphysics, the thing above physical objects is um, intellects that are not attached to physical objects. And from these lofty things, from to the highest, meaning like the way Avram Avinu looked around at the universe and said that this this um, palace, this city, this royal city, must have a um, a manhig, a ruler, right? This is a, the the way the Medrash puts it that uh, Avram looked around, he saw something more splendorous than a palace. If a person sees a palace, of course they'd assume that there was a king living in the palace. And similarly, he looked around the world and and concluded that there must be a ruler. There's something that I want to point out in the Mesha Chachma's example, uh, sorry, choice of using this Gemara in Erevin. So I'm going to take a little detour because I find it interesting. I hope somebody else does. The There's a famous Gemara that says that, um, that we learn the Torah in the womb with a Malach, and then we are, um, and then the Malach taps us and we forget everything we learn. And the question is, what is the point of learning everything if you're going to forget it before you're born anyway? And the idea is that um, it means that learning Torah in this life is an act of recovering, remembering something you already knew. And that is easier than learning it from scratch. Now, what's interesting about this Medrash if you look at a little historical context, is that Plato says something similar. So Plato believes that people can only learn from the senses. So how does he explain how people learn mathematical truths? You know, their own, you know, truths about geometry um, or ideals, 
choose about math that one plus one equals two, no matter one watt or and one watt. Um, that these general ideas that don't actually map to physical sensations, where do we learn it from? See, he said that before a person's born, they can they can experience the forms, the ideals. And so when we're born, we forget them. But then through the process of our senses, we can remember the uh, what we sensed uh, before we had bodies of these ideals, of these forms. And if you know this mushal from Plato, and Plato is, is a good 400 years before Chazal, um, what I believe Chazal is, is do, are doing is they're setting up a contrast. They're saying... Plato thinks that the ideals, that the underlying fabric behind reality is a bunch of math. Um, we're saying no, it's Torah, it's ethics. And what I what reminded me of this contrast, that the that that we're saying that the more abstract reality, when you abstract away the the physical, you get to these higher um, that the higher planes of existence are ones about morality. Uh, so that, like, justice is what drives, justice is one of the, the metaphysical forces that drive the creation of our physical forces. The reason why Chazal, are, what reminded me of this Mamar Chazal is that, in this way of understanding it, is, is look what about nature the Meshachachma is emphasizing. You know, we talk about, like, Avram Avinu looked around at nature and he saw there must have been a creator. And we normally think that it has to do with the elaborate design that we see in the world that uh, is far more elaborate than what we see in a house. And if, if a house makes us think there must have been a builder, then, of course, we would conclude that uh, the world would make us think that, that there's a, a HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But he's not focusing on engineering. He's focusing on morality. He's saying the fact that there's a morality inherent in creation is what makes me think, is how I could study the world and think that there's a God, right? If had there not been a Torah, we would have learned, um, we would have learned our midos from animals, from looking at nature. It's a very interesting um, difference from the way that, that I would have intuitively taken that, the first approach to how to learn about God. And there's another way to learn the necessary existence of God. By uh, divine revelation. Like we had a Matan Torah. Then we would, we would know about the existence of these mediating intellects that come out of Hashem's will and they exist not by necessary existence because only God necessarily exists and everything else exists contingently on the fact that God wills it. This is, um, I believe, the first in the first parak of Yisodia Torah in the Rambam. Pratios Lamata and after that, the details of the creation, which are yet below it, one way of understanding the Torah is, the understanding that God exists is called mibifnim, and the other is called mibichutz. One's called from the inside, and one's called from the outside. So when we saw 
that the luchos could be read either from the inside or from the outside, what he's saying this is referring to is that God could be understood either from the inside, from looking at the universe outward, or from the outside, from looking at the Torah downward, and it just struck me that he may have meant that the other way. Mibifnim, from looking at the Torah inside and then extrapolating to the world, or looking at the world and deducing the morality of the Torah. These two understandings are the two ways of reading the universe or reading the luchos and understand well. So this is this is what he's saying here. The he goes on to say that what what was flawed in the in the first luchos was that we had just left Mitzrayim and we were not ready to go from the Sikhlim Nivdalim, from this idea of intermediaries to the idea that there's a necessary God over it all. And therefore, we, when we saw the Tatromolin, which, which is Latin for the four-faced, meaning uh, the, the, the Chayos, and one of the faces of the Chayos is sometimes called Keruv, and sometimes called, it depends which parak and Yechezkel you're in, one of the four faces of the, of the Chayos. So one is a man, which the Gemara learns was ya- Yaakov Avinu's face. One is a lion. One is a Nesher, which is probably some sort of vulture, although we would think it's a little more majestic than our normal mental image of a vulture. And the fourth one is either a kruv or a, or a um, bull, depending upon which parak in Yechezkel we're looking at. And because we didn't, we weren't ready to go from the inside, from the universe to God, we stopped at the kruv, and we decided we need to make ourselves a bull. And they tried to make a bull, and given the, the amount of gold, it came out a calf. And this was the origin of the ego. Therefore, her asher This is the, the rapid departure from the derech, which I was commanding them. And it was because they, only, they, they weren't ready to read the luchos from both sides. This is the, the writing of God that you can read the luchos both from nature and from revelation. And that this notion that we find very deeply in the Rambam, that nature and revelation are two uh, books that tell the same truth, is what he's reading into the existence of the luchos. That the two sides of the luchos are these two books of revelation and of nature. So, I hope... Uh, People found these two mamarim, the one that I skimmed across, and this one um, interesting. Um, uh, Have a great evening, enjoy the rest of the week, and have a wonderful Shabbos. Bye.